Welcome to the Arsenal Tottenham Fan Podcast. Well, Rick, another Premier League season is underway. What do you think? Absolutely brilliant. And football is back at Tottenham. Football is back. <laughs> ah, that's right. And after a break, and what was this? This, I mean, it was maybe a two-month, six-week break for those that didn't follow the women's, uh, women's World Cup. And if you followed that, well, then you haven't had a break. But the players themselves, they may have had, what, about a six-week break since the last uh, international friendlies and uh, the beginning of the season. And this was probably almost the first break in two years. Yeah. There's no such thing as a break anymore. Ah, really not. It's too much money involved. Really not. Uh, but it was sure great to see the red and white out there uh, this weekend. Wrexham? So, pardon me? <laughs> Wrexham? No. <laughs> Not Wrexham. Uh, so I'm Cal Wood, uh, resident Arsenal fan. The voice that you heard uh, with me is co-host Rick Nelson. Uh, he is giddy about Tottenham's 2-2 draw uh, against Brentford just like I am so excited about Arsenal's 2-1 win over Nottingham Forest. We usually discuss the games in chronological order, so that is what we're going to do. But we do have a little transfer news to discuss since we haven't done that. Uh, I'm going to start and talk a little bit about David Rea. Then we're going to talk about uh, Arsenal versus Nottingham Forest. Um, then Rick is going to have a chance to do the ode to Harry Kane. Uh, and after that, we will discuss the uh, 2-2 draw between Spurs and Brentford. Rick, how does that sound? Sounds good. Awesome. So um, starting at David Rea, a keeper that began the transfer window in huge demand. You guys wanted him. Bayern Munich wanted him, Real Madrid wanted him, really about everybody wanted him out there. And that Arsenal was able to get him was, is amazing. Um, Apparently he has taken his physical, so we expected him to be, we expect him to be introduced in the next day or two. Um, And what a coup for the Gunners. Just unbelievable. Uh, The terms of the deal are a $3 million loan fee and then an option to purchase him for $27 million next year. What an incredible deal for Arsenal. And, uh, you know, I I guess hopefully – I mean, the way Chelsea's out there throwing away mo- throwing money around. <laughs> Nothing's changed at Chelsea. I mean, it's insane. But hopefully, you know, it, Brentford has got to understand that they had a chance to do a little better deal for them earlier in the window. 
and they held out for 40 million and realized they weren't going to get it. And by the time they realized they weren't going to get it, Tottenham had already bought a keeper. And when we came in for Rhea with um, Kanye being his protege or, you know, him being Kanye's protege, he was only coming to Arsenal after that. Yeah. So process of elimination by that point. That That's right. And so because of that, we were able to get an incredibly team friendly deal for us. And again, when you look at what's going on with Liverpool, you know, th- this window, Chelsea has chosen Liverpool to pick on, pick on. It was us, the previous two windows. But when you look at what they're doing, it demonstrates the importance of getting the player to want to come to your team first and using that as leverage because that is how we got Declan Rice and that is how we got Rhea. Yeah. Well, and, good good move. I mean, it'll put um, Ramsdale on, on his toes. I mean, especially after like yesterday. I mean, you, you could see he needs a bit of livening up, you know? Well, no question. But the great thing is this being a loan, Ramsdale shouldn't feel all that threatened. Because if he wins the competition, Arsenal can not take up the option. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Rhea has got to feel also on his toes that, you know, that for him to stay in in a Champions League team, he's going to have to perform. So, and I, I think that, you know, one, I think Arteta wants competition for places. And the most challenging position to get that competition is keeper. Yeah. You know, it is so hard to have two good keepers and, and get two good keepers. And somehow for this season, Arsenal and Arteta have managed to do that. And, you know, fantastic. We'll see how it plays out. And the fact that our, that Arsenal isn't tied in to Rea and tied in to this two-keeper system next year is fantastic bit of business. So all, all credit to an Edu masterclass. Um, and he is absolutely dynamite at bringing players in. He's a little more challenged on getting players out. <laughs> so hopefully in the remainder of the window we'll um we'll we'll have more progress there. Um so let's talk about uh, first first match of the season. Or well, I guess second match of the season because Man City Burnley was first. But our, our Arsenal's first match of the season and it might have been the most on-brand Arsenal match for a first match of the season of all time. Yeah. I mean, we dominate the match. We get a 2-0 lead. 
We give up a counterattacking goal. We almost blow the lead. And we have an important player, a new signing in his first match, get a long-term injury. I mean, how on-brand is that for Arsenal? Yeah, absolutely. You know, for the first half, we are look like the best team in the league. And in the second half, it's damage control the whole time. So incredibly on brand for the Arsenal. Uh, To start talking about the game, I think the lineups were really, really interesting. So the night before, maybe um, over here, maybe the afternoon before the game, News, well, I say news, rumors started on Twitter that Gabriel Magalash was injured. So people were like, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? And then, of course, there were some pictures from him in training. So by the time you know night came, people were like, well, he's okay because there are pictures in training. And then... Presto, you know, lineups are released that morning and he's not in the side. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's changing things up, man. Well, so, and uh, Arteta comes out with, well, tactical reasons. Okay. And we'll talk about the tactic and the tactical reasons in a moment. But one of the things I've always liked about Arteta is how direct and straightforward he is with the media, except when it comes to injuries. He does not like to talk talk about injuries. And he will lead the press and opposing players or opposing teams down the wrong path when it comes to injuries all day long. So I don't think that we can necessarily – anything regarding injuries, I don't think we can necessarily take him 100% at his word. So I'm not convinced that Gabriel, Big Gabby, is not injured or carrying some kind of injury. So the way that the lineup came out, he didn't play Kivior, who is – Gabriel's natural backup, he played white. And then he uh, he played party at right back. And then Timber at left back, as we expected. I mean, nobody saw that come. Yeah. And musical chairs throughout the game. It, it, incredible. And, you know, we wanted... Arteta to become more unpredictable. Arteta wanted to become more unpredictable. Well, this was about as unpredictable as it could possibly be. And I think that the way, in in watching the game, I think the way he set the team up was, I think he would call it a 3-2-4-1, where Saliba played in the middle. Then he had Timber and White on either side. You would have Rice and Party kind of as a double pivot with Party being called the right back. And it looked like it was almost a flat four across the attacking zone 
with Martinelli, Havertz, Odegaard, and Saka, and then Enkedia on his own up front. But the way that the match evolved, it was almost like our left side of the pitch was heavier, almost like the pitch was tilted to the left side because Rice would go left and then Party would come central. And so, and then sometimes uh, Timber and White would push up and White even did some overlapping. So it kind of became a, a one two, one, five, one. (laughs) I mean, it was insane what was going on out there. Uh, But what it amounted to is, you know, because Brent um, uh, Forrest played like a flat back five or became at least a flat back five. So we would almost have five people in, in attacking and Rice would push up to make that lane five. So we would have a man on each one of their, you know, back five, but it became, so there were 18 players in the attacking third, in our attacking third. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, there was like, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into some of the stats and, talk about Arsenal having a hard time creating a little bit, especially considering how much possession that they had. But there were so many people packed into that area of the pitch. It was almost impossible to get anything going consistently because the players, both the Forest players and the Arsenal players, were so close to each other for so much of the match. Uh, on and what it also amounted to was that Forrest could not get out of their own end. I mean, the, the counter pressing was absolutely phenomenal to the point that at 23 minutes, Arsenal had 87% possession. They, Arsenal, had completed 15 passes for every one pass that Forrest had created. Ridiculous. Yeah, it it was incredible. I mean, what a counter-pressing exhibition that was. And it was due in a large part to the way that Arteta set up the team. So he caused them tremendous amounts of problems um, at the beginning of the game. Then in the 25th minute, we score. Did you see the goal? Mm Mm-hmm. What a move from Martinelli. Yeah. I mean, Martinelli and Saka were unbelievable, right? Yeah. You know, we'll we'll talk, we're certainly going to talk about them. But, you know, kind of the step over and spin move to get between two defenders. And it was, there were so many people there that it was going to take that. So he does that step over spin move, passes the ball between two defenders. And, Encadia is what five yards away, you know, and, and so that's how close he was. And there's a defender right on him, so he takes a touch with his right foot, moves it to the center of the goal, shoots it between the defender's legs, and 
he just blasted it, and that's generally an Eddie thing. You know, he's he's not mu- not one for placement. He's just, he's just going to whack it as hard as he can. Deflects off uh, the defender's leg and wrong foots um, the keeper. So, um, and that was the keeper was Matt Turner, by the way, who yeah. we had just sold him, sold him. Uh, so, um, you know, great goal to score. But one thing I want to comment on it about Eddie is that Eddie ain't there to pass. You know, Odegaard is another five yards away and is open. And Havertz is standing 10 yards away and has nobody around him. I mean, it is the easiest pass for Enkedia just to dink it out. Just dink a little five-yard rolling ball. And there's no need for a deflection, you know, that we got two guys there through on goal. But Eddie ain't looking but at one thing. And that is the ball. Yeah. You know, and what did we talk about, Eddie, in our preview is that if he doesn't score goals, he doesn't help you. You know, and that is a classic case. He is not there to play make. If he gets it in the penalty box, he's shooting it. You know, a good shot, it scored a goal. And what so he didn't play in the community shield, or he didn't start in the community shield. We started Havertz up top, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And so people were wondering, well, did he start Havertz? Because Havertz is the best way to play against City. Is that something he wanted to have a look at against City? Was he always going to start? Because we would have a lot less of the ball against City. Uh, And City is a better pressing team. So maybe kicking it over the press, uh, Havertz would be better in that way. And was he saving Eddie for Forrest at home, who were going to play a flat back five and pack it in, pack the bus in, because Eddie is the penalty box poacher? So when asked about it after the match, Arteta, and I'm not going to read the direct quote, but essentially he said that, you know, Eddie didn't. Um, didn't start the match against the Community Shield. But he came on and changed the game. And he said other players, when they don't start, they come into his office and say, hey, Gaffer, why am I not starting? Mm. And he goes, Eddie doesn't do that. Eddie goes out on the pitch in training and shows me why he should start. And he says, that is a lesson for the team. And I thought that was a really cool quote. That's good. You know, about Eddie and Kadia. And what that means to me is that Eddie's going to keep getting on the pitch. Yeah. You know, and, you know, know, he may see, now we're going to play Palace away in the next match. 
So is Eddie going to be our flat track bully? You know, is Eddie going to play the home matches against bottom, um, bottom 10 sides? And when we have to go away to a little tougher side, is Arteta going to set that team up in a different way? We'll have a chance to find that out. But clearly, he sees a role for Eddie and Kadia. And when a striker scores for you, and especially when they strike, they score the first goal, they help you. Yeah. And six minutes later, we get the second. And I, I assume you saw that one. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's a classic. Yeah. Oh, you know, so sometimes you have a good team goal. You have a guy make a great pass, gets it to the striker, and then there's other goals that is just it, – it's a guy who is just better than everybody else. You know, yeah. I, I mean – the defense doesn't do anything wrong. They play it as good as they can play it. But the guy is just better. Yeah. He, he's, well, it was such a good goal. And it's just when you watch Saka, I mean, he's not, it's not speed. He just seems to glide by people. It's, you know, it's unreal. He's got an incredible sense of balance. So, you know, a lot of, like, he got hit. But a lot of guys, they can't control the ball and get hit at the same time. You know, but he has that unique ability to shrug off contact without, not just not losing the ball, but always know where the ball is. Like, be able to control the ball while he's shrugging off contact. And it takes just a phenomenal sense of balance to be able to do that. And that's what he did in this instance. And another thing that's interesting about this goal is that it, it, you know, we had a corner kick. The ball comes out of the penalty area and goes to the corner flag. Who is there, and, and and Brentford gets it, and who is there to take it from uh, Brentford? I'm sorry, Forrest. Who is there to take it from the Forrest player? But William Saliba. You know, the center back is out by the corner flag, tackling a Forrest player, and then passes it to so- Saka and gets an assist. You know, that'll just show you how crazy and how front-footed pressing this whole game was for Arsenal. And, you know, Saka takes that like Aryan Robin, and every Arsenal fan has absolute nightmares of Aryan Robin because there was like a three-year period back in the 2010s where Bayern Munich eliminated us every year from the Champions League. And it was Arian Robin going down the right, cutting back, and every Arsenal fan putting their hands on their heads and going, oh, no, 
and there it is, top corner, and we're going home from the Champions League. And it is so great to finally see that goal and be able to cheer it because it is absolutely an amazing goal. And you mentioned Martinelli and Saka. And, I mean, if they're not the two best wingers in the Premier League, I don't know who is. I mean, they just absolutely phenomenal. And they're 21. You know, I I mean, they're our team. Uh, And it looks to me like we're building around them. And just such a joy to watch and just so many great players. So on 40 minutes, it's 2-0. And possession-wise, Arsenal now has 86% possession with a 92% pass accuracy. And for a lot of the game, not all the game, but for a lot of the game, William Saliba had completed more passes than Forrest. Just, just crazy. And on the, in the 46th minute, I made a note that um, the game wasn't very physical. That we had taken, it was almost like a shock and awe thing, where we had taken it to Forrest so much that they, I'm sure their game plan is, like everybody's game plan against Arsenal, is to be physical. But we had jumped on them so quick that they had just forgotten the physicality aspect of the match. Oh, one thing I left out is, did did you see the opening chance to Johnson on about 10 minutes? Um, You know, they had a breakaway. Like in the 10th minute, it came out of nothing. And Johnson got in on goal. Um, The commentators are saying that he should have scored. But frankly, the ball was bouncing. So he's in behind. And it's a one-on-one. But by the time he gets to the penalty area, the ball's bouncing. So it's waist high. And that is not a good chance because he has to watch the ball and not the keeper. And that gives Ramsdale a chance to get out on him. And Ramsdale forced him to play the ball when it was, you know, like mid-shin high. So with it being that high, his really only choice is to lob the keeper. And it's really hard to lob the keeper when the keeper's coming out is almost on you. Had the ball been at his feet, he could have rounded Ramsdale easily. But with the ball, you know, knee high, shin high, you can't it's make a move. Yeah. yeah, to really rant. So I don't think it was that great of a scoring opportunity. Apparently, it got a lot of XG. But maybe that's me having an issue with how they calculate XG because I don't think that was that great of a scoring opportunity. So uh, first half ends 2-0. Every Arsenal fan is already thinking about a 4-0, 5-0 win. Um, But as you know, the first 15 minutes of the second half in a 2-0 match 
are really, really important. Yep, sir. Two nils, dangerous score, man. It's a dangerous score, and if anything, Arsenal from the run-in last year should know that. Because if you can get the third goal in the first 15 minutes, you kill the game. You know, the game's over, done and dusted. You drive a stake in their heart. They're not going to play hard. And then it becomes, well, is this going to be a 4 or 5 nil, Or is it going to be a 3 nil? and we're just going to conserve energy? How is it going to be? But the reason, one of the reasons that that first 15 minutes is so important is because a, a team, any team, cannot counterpress for 90 minutes the way that we did for about the first 40 minutes of that game. You you can't do it. You know, you can come out in the second half and do it for a little while. But on anything, after 60 minutes, you ain't counter-pressing them anymore like that. You just can't do it. You know, the game is going to change because you cannot continue to counter-press like that. So that's why getting that third goal is so important that you can kill the game before it changes. You know, once that it goes into the 60th minute and it's 2-0, all of a sudden this becomes now Forrest have the tactical upper hand because they're not trying to win the game. They're trying to draw the game. Sure. You know, they're like, if we can go to Arsenal and get a point in the first game of the season, we are golden. That's a win. That's right. That is a win. You know, and Arsenal, if you're going to win the league, you can't afford to be giving up two points to the far side of the wall. And so the game began, we didn't really attack them. In that first 15 minutes, like, like I'd hope, I think we had one shot. They had none, but we had one shot. We had tons of the ball again, but we really didn't go after them from an attacking perspective like I'd hoped. And then all of a sudden it becomes Forrest's game. So I think that one of the things that we need to do is Arteta needs to develop a strategy for well, two things, that first 15 minutes and then the remaining 30 minutes of the game when it changes and it no longer becomes a counter-pressing uh, game. So on 50 minutes, Timber gets injured. You know, he had the collision in the first half. It took, you know, minutes to attend to him. He never really looked right. And then in his first action, it went. You know, it was so, I mean, the ball comes to him and he takes one step and then sits down. And that ain't good. And there are a lot of rumors out there right now, um, most coming from um, Holland, that it's an ACL injury. uh, Probably, yeah, he's gone. Yeah, I mean that that's four or five months. I mean, we won't see him again until spring. Yeah, and 
such an important was becoming such an important player. And I think that 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 formation that we did worked because both Timber and White have are great with the ball at their feet on each side, but they are also really, really fast. So that when a team tries to like what Forrest wants to do is put two guys up front and, you know, kick balls over the top and run them down. Right. Well, with, with Timber, Saliba, and White, we've got as much speed as any team is going to have in attack. We've got as much speed in defense. Now that Timber's gone, you know, we have some guys that can play that inverted role, but what we don't have, is somebody that can be as physical and have as much speed as Timber does over there. So that's going to be a challenge for us going forward. On 53 minutes, I made a note that Forrest are being more physical. So you can bet that their manager got on them at halftime about how they had lost the physicality part of their game plan. And they really brought it back. Now, they had a hard time getting near the ball because we moved it so well. But when they did get near the ball, they made sure that an Arsenal player knew they were near the ball. And that was kind of the first warning sign. The second warning sign was in the 61st minute, they really got their first spell of prolonged possession. And it came out of a break by Gibbs, Morgan Gibbs White. And that guy is a player. I mean, if Forrest can hang on to that guy, they're doing well because he is, I mean, he is absolutely top quality. He ran with the ball probably 50 yards out of their end into our end and kept it, went past three Arsenal players. Nobody was really with him. So rather than, you know, make some pass that had no chance to be completed or take a wild shot, he just backed it out and waited for his team to get down there. And they actually had the ball for like a couple of minutes and passed it around. It's like the first time all game. And that was a good warning sign. In the 70th minute, they got their first quarter. So can I mean 70 minutes before they got a corner kick. Then on 81 minutes they score. And you know we talked about the uh, Saka's goal when Saliba recovers it in the corner and that's great. But this goal came from instead of the ball going into the corner it came out toward the end of the penalty box. And all of a sudden, we had nobody back except Ben White. And Party, you know, that, that Party has no business being on the pitch in a 2 0 game in the 80th minute. He is just not a 90 minute player anymore. He's just not. He's 30 years old. He's. He, just, he does not have the stamina or the physical capability. He's a great player, you know, 
But he just he can't run anybody down. Uh, the bad thing is, of course, right now his backup is Georginia. Jorginho ain't running anybody down either. <clears throat> nope. You know, so we've got to have Declan Rice there. You know, Declan Rice has got to be back, and he's got to be the guy that can run those things down. So that's an adjustment that we're going to have to look at. Now, what I would have liked to have seen is, you know, we, we took Enkedia out, we brought Trissard on. I'm sorry, yeah. We took Enkedi out, we brought uh, Trissard on. What I would have liked to have seen is I would have liked to have seen Party come out and Enkedia come out, move Havertz, um, move Havertz up front, and either play Trissard or Smith Rowe at the eight, and then move Rice over to party spot because party's got to get back, you know, I mean, but anyway, they, they blow through us. Um, it's, um, uh, the guy who had it was, um, used to be right back at man United. Um, Elanga, Elanga. Oh, Elanga. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Elanga. So he, a great run out. I mean, it's probably a 60, 70 yard run with the ball. Now, he just barely gets across halfway. And there is a Forest player that is about even with White. White is between the two Forest players, maybe 15 yards away. And he takes a step toward the ball, and then he runs back toward his own goal. And that is the mistake because – Fundamental number one is you have to stop the ball. You have to stop the ball. You know, you you back off of that guy, he's going all the way to the penalty box. You know, you have to stop the ball. If he gets past you, you look like a fool, but you did the right thing. If he makes a pass to that guy, you've got a sweeper keeper. You know, that's Ramsdale's responsibility is to mop up the center forward running down. So if Ramsdale lets the pass go through, then that's on Ramsdale. If the pass goes through and the guy gets the ball, then Ramsdale's got to stop the one-on-one. When you fade back and you don't commit, in that instance, you're going to give up the goal. You know, because you give the offensive player the the offensive player makes the decision. You know, the defensive player has to force the decision on the offensive player. Because if you let the offensive player make the decision, he's gonna do it at the best time for him and the optimal time for him to score. You know, and what White didn't do is force the stop the ball force the offensive player to make the decision when he's at the halfway line, not when he's inside your penalty box. So now it's 2-1, and it's a game again, you know. And Forrest had another good scoring opportunity not long after that. Again, it was party kind of 
making a challenge where, you know, it, one of those tire challenges where rather than guard the the offensive player, he rushes out um, to try to intercept when it's really not on. They get a decent opportunity, not great. But we're able to see out the game. I mean, it, nervous for being an Arsenal fan, but I, I don't think the players were all that nervous about it. We brought on Gabriel for Gabriel. So we, we brought on Big Gabby for Little Gabby. <laughs> uh, and that seemed, you know, that seemed to settle things down and we went to more of a traditional uh, defensive shape at that time. So a 2-1 win, you know, f- great victory. You got to have the three points. Yeah. So we'll take them. Um, so I've got some stats of the day. I- I'm changing it up a little bit. So I used to do the stats rundown. So for this, I'm going to do stats of the day, which I'm going to pick out a few that I think are interesting. So first of all, Forrest had 1.13 XG and Arsenal had 0.83 XG. So Forrest, for as little possession as they had, had more XG than we did. Now, I I know it's crazy. I think part of that was they gave Johnson that early uh, with that early opportunity, I think they got more than it was worth. Uh, Arsenal PPDA um, passes per defection, defensive action was four. So we had four, we had a defensive action for every four passes that Nottingham Forest made. You know, incredible. We had uh, not, we, we had 80% possession. And still had more tackles. We had 15 tackles, and they had 10. Incredible. Yeah. So, uh, player of the game was Saka. Just because, you know, one of the great things about the formation is that when Party would come inside and Rice would go, you know, more forward to the left, Party come inside, that would just open tons of space for Saka. Uh, because there was no right back there uh, unless White was doing uh, an overlap. Um, thought that was a really ingenious way to get him him into a lot of space, and he took advantage of it, um, was by far our best attacking player. Um, what did we learn? Instead of uh, what does the game mean, I'm going to go into what did we learn. We learned that – our counter-pressing works, but we need a second-half strategy bad. You know, we really need to come up with a strategy for the second half. Um, I think that by having so many people in the attacking third, I thought Havertz and Odegaard were occupying the same spaces a lot of the time. And I think we have to get that worked out. I saw Havertz get a lot of criticism for his play, and primarily it was because he wasn't particularly attacking with the ball at his feet. And I think that'll come. I think he'll become more aggressive. But I also think that he and Odegaard got um, got in the same spaces. And so I think that's uh, we need to work on that space in, uh, a little bit as well. 
So all in all, great, great victory for the Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. I guess if you're going to, if Arteta is going to experiment and play musical chairs with players and whatever, it's a good team to do it against, really, right? That is exactly right. It, it makes the Palace game interesting, too. Uh, so we'll see what he comes out with uh, for that game. Uh, would you like to discuss the Tottenham player that used to be named Harry Kane? You know what? It, it's it's kind of strange, right? Obviously, we didn't want to lose Harry Kane, but this thing was so drawn out that by the time it was all done, it was almost like, you know, deflate. You know what I mean? Like, it was just so, so dragged on. And even, like, every press, everything online, in the papers was just, he's staying. He's going. He's, he's He doesn't want to let – it's just like – all nonsense. When we all, most of us knew this was already figured out a week or two prior. Right. right? You right. know what I mean? And Poster Coglu right. pretty much alluded to that. I, I, when they asked him either before the match or after the match, he said the first time he talked to him, he knew he was going. Yeah, he knew it. Yeah. So we've been prepping for this. But I think. I've said this before, no, no one wants to lose Harry Kane. I don't care what team he's on, no one's going to want to lose him. Um, like most players, like most fans, you know, wish him all the best. He's one of those once-in-a-generational players that when they leave, you do wish him the best and not that the door mm-hmm. misses their ass on the way out, you know. Um, Absolutely. But, but I support Tottenham, not Harry mm-hmm. Kane. That's right. Do you know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Harry's gone. He'll forget about Tottenham if he hasn't already. Um, and we, we move on without him. I mean, uh, that's that's it, really. Yeah. Arsenal players, um, Arsenal players, Arsenal fans understand that because we watch the Invincibles leave one by one. And we went through the uh, new stadium at the Emirates. And we watched Sass leave, and it's it was painful. Yeah, you know it 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 was painful. So we understand what yeah. going what going. You know, it's is. like it's probably you know is it the right move? You know to 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 make him hang out. I mean, if it had stayed for another season, every press conference before and after a game would have been horrendous for Postacoglu. Oh, no question. Because it would have just been the same questions week in, week out. When you have one player that has become bigger than the team, it is time for that player to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of all the press around it and everything else, it's just – it's not healthy. No, it's it's not. To take $100 for a 30-year-old player, okay. You know, that's where we are. Well, when the deal was made, it was absolutely incredible business. Now that Moises Casado is a 115 million pound player. Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> you say that then, I basically, you look at yesterday's game and you've got Casado 115 million, we've got Declan Rice at 104, and then you look at Basuma yesterday, the 25 million we paid for him looks oh. like he's still 
let me tell you, that guy was class. He was by far the best player on that pitch. Oh my and God. It was yeah. not even close. It's just fantastic. And he, the, all the more so when you, the more I watched him yesterday, the more I got angry about Conte and his treatment of Basuma last I, season. Which again look, makes me look back. You can only look back on these things and go, wow. So maybe Conte was great, like a Mourinho prior to getting to Tottenham, but really maybe wasn't that great. You know what I mean? What he was not able to do was take the players at his disposal and organize them into the best team they could be. You know, that's what great managers do. He had a system that he wanted to play, and he was going to play whatever players fit that system best rather than try to play a system that fit the players he had best. Yeah. I think yesterday's game against Brentford, and I think moving forward for a little while, um, the performance is going to be as important as, uh, or even more so than the results for a while. Oh, no question. Um, Because yesterday was a fresh start, right? We had Mm -hmm. four debuts which hasn't happened in 20 years at Tottenham, mm-hmm. right? Vicario, Udogi, Madison, and Van der Ven. Mm-hmm. Right? But four goals in the first half, four yellow cards for Tottenham, five if you include Mason. Uh-huh. And two goals from a centre-back and a full-back. Right. right? Um, although, getting back to Kane again, though, <laughs> if you could imagine him in this game, he would have probably scored a hat full of goals. It was the Wild West out there for a while. Well, it was the Wild West, but the problem is, you know, you had um, Richarlatan out there hounding the center backs for Brentford, and Kane is going to be walking. Yeah. Jogging at best. And that, that see, Richarlison, while we're on him, we'll talk about you can look at his game and go, well, he didn't score, he didn't do much. No, he's a, he causes utter chaos in the penalty box. Is, is what he does. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? That, that's, well, certainly when he doesn't have the ball. Actually, he causes chaos even when he does have it. Yeah, no matter what. <laughs> but, <Yeah>. but <laughs> I should say when, when it's bouncing off of it. But, <laughs> but you know, but – you know, you could with Kane in the team. You can't play that way. No, no like, way. No. You, the, the way that you guys counterpressed Brentford, it, clearly Brentford wasn't anticipating it. You know, and you know they were incredibly fortunate to score the goals they scored. Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, it, that, yeah, it, it, incredibly fortunate yeah. to score those goals. I mean, the, the first goal, I mean, Madison Madison had a great game. Udogi looks like an absolute machine. He's he's a stud. Um, I mean, just bombing, like a freight train coming down that wing. I mean, he is, he is a really good player. Udogi and Basuma are revelations for you guys. Yeah, they really absolutely, are. without a doubt. Um, Madison yesterday was like, you know, some nice, very creative. Um, 
his cross, his, his uh, free kick for the first goal for Romero was unstoppable. Yeah, fantastic. And give Romero credit for sticking his head in there too. Yeah. Um, you know, and bringing him off, you know, which was a bit of a mix-up because Tottenham signed the wrong papers beforehand, an administrative error. So when Romero came off, Pastor Cogley's telling him, no, come on, come off. We couldn't use that as, an, as, a, as a concussion substitution because Tottenham had signed the wrong papers beforehand. Do what? So it got classed as a regular substitution, not a concussion substitution. And Pastor Cogley match- said afterwards, yeah, look, we signed the wrong papers, whatever, human error, right? You got Shit to happens. sign papers for that? Yeah, there was an admin error prior to the game. And he said, you know, a human error, stuff happens, right? But you've, the officials must have understood why we took him off, right? That's idiotic. Yeah. I mean, it was clear to everybody watching on TV and in the stadium why Romero is coming off, even though Romero didn't want to come off. No player wants to come off. He can have an axe sticking in his head. Players are going to say, I'm good. I can play. Timber goes back on the field after halftime with a ruptured ACL. Yeah. Or an injured ACL. We'll find out what it was. But, I mean, well, I remember that time Vertonghen got clattered and he kept on playing and then the camera was on him and he was literally Mm cross-eyed. And when they took him off, he was staggering and vomited on the Mm -hmm. side of the pitch. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is why Pastor Coglu and the doctors in his ear saying he has to come off. Right. And it was the right decision. Right. You know what I mean? So, but for some admin error, it meant that he was not, that that substitution was classed as a regular substitution. And while you're at it, or while we're talking about this, Davison Sanchez actually looked like a football player. Looked looked like a player. Yeah, yeah. Well, he played great against Barcelona in the pregame, preseason. Okay, the last game we played, played brilliantly against Barcelona. Y- you that's might what not- got him. That's what got him on the bench yesterday. Okay, you might not believe this, but I didn't see that game. Yeah. <laughs> but it was that game that got him on the bench yesterday. So <laughs> it's amazing, right, the transformation in players with somebody new at the helm, right? hmm You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. But, um, you know, Son gave away a penalty. It was a penalty. You know, he trodden the guy's foot. That stopped the guy from getting the, the ball sitting there. It, very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Very unfortunate. The penalty, nonetheless. Um, you know, Van der Ven, who is another freight train. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the back, if you include Sanchez, Van der Ven, and Udogi, we got some legs back there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he can run. I, you know, I didn't. I wasn't as impressed with him with the ball as I thought I might be, but he can sure run. Yeah, and and it's early days for him too. Yeah, but mm-hmm. like I said last week in the previews, the stretch for us is yesterday through to the end of December, to, because yesterday was the first half was brilliant. You know, and Emerson like Royale scored a great goal. Mm-hmm. Um, the second half kind of had to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Right. So. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, but while you're on that, and you mentioned Emerson, so one thing I wanted to talk about was I thought that you guys had a really interesting formation that you played. So essentially, you played like a two-three. I don't even know what you were doing up front. Like a, it was a, a two-three-five two, when we went on the attack. Yeah, a two-three-five. Two, yeah. Yeah. yeah, two, three, five. And I thought that it was interesting that the three were Emerson, your right back, Udagi, yeah. your left back, yeah. and uh, Basuma well, in the middle of them. I mentioned that on the preview last week, too, is that you're going to see a lot more inverted fullbacks with this you know, team. So, you know, so that, so you had your fullbacks really narrow. I mean, yeah. really narrow. Like yeah. more narrow, it, it, you know, a lot of teams now are moving one uh, fullback inside. You guys moved both fullbacks yeah. inside. So a lot of his play is going to, like Postacoglu likes to invert those fullbacks mm-hmm. and play through the play through the central like channels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a lot of that. Even though in, at Celtic, most of his games were won on the flanks with balls coming in to the mm-hmm. middle. Mm-hmm. But he loves to invert fullbacks and push them up the middle. Um, so you're, you're going to probably see that uh, almost every week. Yeah, time. and so you, it would kind of be like, so you had your two center backs when you're in attack. Then, you know, the three that we talked about. Then you would have like another three kind of across with uh, San – and um, Son and Kulishevsky out wide. You have a Charlton in the middle, and then um, um, oh golly, I can't believe I forgot his Madison. Madison, yeah, he was all over the place. Yeah, it was like he didn't have a position by design. Yeah, you know, it, you look up; he's on the left touch line. Look up next time he's on the right touch line. Well, at know. one point we would have six or seven players in their box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Thing, things have changed. Yeah, it, it looked – I mean, it looked a lot like Arsenal. I mean, it looked a lot like um, how we played Forrest with how many guys y'all had forward and how front-footed – that you were on the counter press. So the interesting dilemma that Postacoglu will have with that formation is, as we saw on two or three occasions, was the ball over the top. I mean, look, there were times when we had just two two defenders and they were on the halfway line, mm-hmm. right? That ball over the top. Now, Emerson is a great defender, but he struggles to get back. Mm-hmm. Right, so the conundrum then being, well, Poro doesn't struggle to get back. Poro would have easily got back mm-hmm. for those chances. Brentford should have gone ahead just before half time. Mm-hmm. You know, and Bumo just went over the top. It was a great run, a great move mm-hmm. by Brentford. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was where Emerson struggled with the pace to get back with the attacker. He had just scored a goal. Even so, well, it happened. It happened. It again. was like, "Hey, man, I'm going. I'm going for my brace. I got a hat trick in me." Yeah, 
<laughs> that does present the problem for Postacoglu. <laughs> like, I can't play them both. Uh-huh. Right? So it's one or the other. Emerson's right. the better defender. Poro's got the speed and the skill up front. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think stronger teams would have took took better advantage of that. I don't think – I think there'll be a change against Man United maybe because of that pace. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like not saying that Emerson's not good enough. It's just a tactical change for this specific game. Right. You know what I mean? Because you got Rashford bombing down that wing or someone. You know, it's it's going to be much harder for Emerson Royale to get back. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong, but that just seemed that that was the glaring mm-hmm. issue yesterday. And I'm sure Ten Hag had steam coming off of his pen yesterday watching that game. Right. 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 So, um, you know, in the second half, I mean, it was Tottenham dominated so much. It was unreal, you know. Um mm-hmm. And but it was Basuma. Oh you know, yeah! When, when he got, when when he got the ball, they couldn't get it off of him. No, no, no. I mean, no, it was, gonna, and as the season goes, I mean, if he's going to be that holding midfield player, if you're a holding midfielder at Tottenham, you're going to do a double shift under the Postacoglu mm-hmm. uh, formation and tactics. You're going to see a lot of the ball. You're going to be doing a lot of work, which he did yesterday. Yeah, he did. I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see what physical toll that takes on him. Correct. But good gracious. I mean, you know, you had to have, you know, dominated the possession stats, mainly because when he got it, you know, I I don't remember – them taking it from him all game or him yeah. really placing, you know, making a bad pass. I mean, I, I can remember yeah. a couple bad passes, but not. It's, it makes, it's an easy comparison to remember Musa Dembele at Tottenham. I don't know if you remember that guy. Mm-hmm. Sure. He's one of my favorite Tottenham players. I mean, just the same guy, you got, he got the ball in the midfield. You're not getting it from him. Right. You just, and... never, not, you just didn't get it. When he was at Tottenham and players were asked all the time, who's the most skillful player in this team? And it was always Moussa Dembele. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. I think Basuma's falling into that bracket, you know, in midfield. But um, Yeah, I, I didn't look at uh, – I didn't look at the stats from this game, but I would be interested to know how many times Basuma passed to Madison. Because yeah. to me, that is going to be the key to your season is how how often Basuma can get the ball. Because Basuma can defend, he can get back, can't get the ball off of him. But and he's a good tackler. He, you know, he can recover the ball too. Really good ball recover. But he's not a big attacking threat. So how often he can get the ball into Madison, who's your main attacker, is really going to determine how I think how successful that you guys are going to be this year based on me watching that game. Yeah. Yeah. And as I said, things slowed down in the second half. We had them chances. Um, Richarlison should have probably put one away um, when he was in on a nice ball from Madison. Um, But, you know, overall, the result, no, I'm not happy with the result. I think we should be, we should be beating Brentford. 
Um, oh, well, I think you that. should be happy with the result. Yeah, well, I'm happy. I'm happy that we didn't lose, but I think we should still be beating Brentford. Um, you know, I I think you know in your first match under this guy and going on the road against you know a solid team, you know, probably a team that won't be relegated. Oh God, no. To 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 get a point, it's good. Yeah, yeah. I I still think we should beat him. <laughs> I'm still having that last word on that, Cal. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but we had we had 385 touches in the opposition's half. That's, that's a lot. That's more than we had last year in any game. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, just watching that game yesterday, we were camped camped in their half. I think Basuma had 350 touches Probably, in their half. yeah. You know, so, you know, 18 shots, six on target, six corners, and 69% possession, um, which isn't bad at Brentford, I guess. Well, uh, when, when you go on the road and you have the ball like that, you got to like it. Yeah. Um, my takeaway from this, not not a perfect game by any means. You know, still some flaws there. But like I said, I think we need a long stretch for the guys to get used to this system. Postacoglu wasn't lying when he said in preseason, the one thing I can guarantee you is no matter what time of day you watch my games, you are not falling asleep. Mm-hmm. Right? And you're not. Um, fun is back at Tottenham, right? There's a feel-good feeling, good football. Um, some great debuts there. From Madison and New Doggy, um, really good football. Um, goals from centre backs and the fullback in a game, um, mm-hmm. you know, minus minus Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, good things. The inverted fullbacks, I like that. Um, the concern, you know, getting caught. You know, we got to figure out how we don't get caught out at the back. Mm-hmm. Um, I know part of the philosophy is, you know, you can lose, you can lose three two, but as long as you do it fighting, it's okay, right? right. But right, but let's not lose. Let, let's win four two, right? Let's score more goals. Uh-huh. Um, we let in sixty three last year, based on the way we play. Until we tighten things up. We could end up going up there again, but if we score eighty goals or ninety goals, then we're okay. You're not scoring eighty or ninety goals. <laughs> you never know. Come Kevin. on now. You never Come know. Come on now. Come on, man. Let but, me have but my you, you weren't going to score that many goals with Harry Kane. Nah, and because the reason is, Harry Kane is a black hole. He's going to score the goals that other players in your lineup could also score. You know, so I, I don't think you're going to score less goals because Harry Kane is not there. You know, you just don't have, yeah. you know, you, w- with Kane, you're not going to get the counter attacking counter. You, you would get the goal that you got off the set piece. You would not get the goal that you got from Emerson Royale. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, Kulisevsky was in the game yesterday, but he was a little bit 
you know, not as creative as he normally is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Son and Richarlison, yes, yeah, Richarlison's causing chaos and that, but and again, it's early days, and I know this is going to change, and we have to get used to this. Um, but those guys have got to get more involved in the game. Right? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's, there is no alternative to that. That's, for sure. It, that's you, it. you know, and I don't know that this particular method of playing is great for Skip. No, I think I, I think that you could use another midfielder that can get the ball to the attackers better because you know Brent you don't really have to defend Skip. You know, you can focus on Kulisevsky uh, or you can focus you can focus on the players around him. Yeah. Well, I think Lacelso can can fill that role. You know? That would be very helpful. You know what I mean? You know, to have somebody created there. So why was Skip playing? I don't know. I don't know. So Maybe was Lacelso fit, just not picked? Um, no, I think he was fit. Yeah, I think he was fit. Yeah. So that that's interesting to me. Now, if you would have played a double pivot, you know, if you would have played. The three, or you know, if you would have played um, a three-two instead of a two-three, I could I could see Basuma and Skip together as a double pivot. Yeah. But if you're going to play the two-three, that means your midfielders, Madison and the other midfielder, are going to be more attacking. I would rather see a more attacking midfielder playing closer to their to your attacking goal. Well, I think, than I would skip. Yeah, and I, I think we're going to see changes game by game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think I think he'll have his uh, the guys that he likes, like Basuma, Madison, those guys with Doggy. Mm-hmm. But I think you'll see with Emerson Royale and Skip and those guys, there'll be some switching out going on mm-hmm. in different games for sure. Sure. I don't think sure. we'll have the same lineup on Saturday against Man United. Yeah, it, that you know? that'll be that'll be interesting to see. What a uh, what an exciting fixture for the home opener, right? Yeah, yeah, and the Rick Nelson Bowl. I will be there, sir. <laughs> I will be there. Me, so, me, and Lee, me and my son will be there, front front and center. You know, so so that's got to be exciting. Um, I think that get, get going to go circle back to Harry Kane for a minute. Um, and this may be, well, it, it won't be the last time that no, it's not getting away here. from him. Is that? Yeah. There's no getting away at least this year. You know, I, I'll be providing Harry Kane updates from, uh, from Byron Munich, uh, as, as the, uh, and, and I'll, I'll give my first update now. Uh, Harry Kane still does not have a trophy. Uh, as uh, as they've won as, six out of seven of those trophies. <laughs> no. as, was a meme. Uh, I saw this meme. I think it was on Twitter, and it was after that game, and it said, "Maybe it's not Tottenham. Maybe it's Harry." <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right, because uh, Red Red 
Red Bull Leipzig was the beneficiary yeah. of the uh, Harry Kane transfer to Bayern Munich. Uh, but I think I think a couple things. One, I do not think this Tottenham team is going to finish any lower than a Tottenham team with Harry Kane. And secondly, I think that if I was a Tottenham fan, finishing eighth with this team would be better than finishing eighth with a team with uh, Harry Kane in it. Yeah, maybe. I think we're going to do better than that. But I know. Yeah. But, you know, those, and the reason I say that is this team has room to grow. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah. By the way, yeah, this was our youngest team in a while, 25 of the average age here. The, the Harry Kane team does not have room to grow. That, that team is only going – because Harry Kane is not a bit part player. He is, he is not a supporting actor. No. You know, you have to build the team around him. And when the inevitable decline comes – He's going to take the whole team with it, you know, yeah. and I, I, th- I think you avoided that. Well, I think that's that's where we are now. If you looked over the last few years, you've got Dyer, you know, and those guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the change is in. Mm-hmm. I mean, Postacoglu came in knowing full well, really, that, that Kane was going. Of course he did. And, and there's lots of managers – in the past that have come here under the stipulation that Kane is not going. Well, if I was Pasca Taglu, I would, I would be like, you got to get rid of him because that guy's going to get me fired. Well, I mean, he may have had that conversation. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause he, you know, he certainly doesn't seem, you know, he's very level headed. You know what I mean? Yeah, I um, do. He's got his own job. He's got his own job and his own goals and initiatives that he wants to accomplish. Sure, you know what I mean. And and he's got an additional hundred million pounds to do it with. Yeah, and I think that you can use this season, much like Arteta used the season where we got rid of Aubameyang to determine the direction that he wanted to go. Yeah. I, I think the situation that we're in mirrors Arsenal. I do too. Old, I do too. Old, including the Emirates Stadium and that debacle. Me too. And being out in the wilderness and finishing eighth and fifth and all of that. And Me too. Fans demanding Arteta's head and Wenger's head and everything else. Um you know, we've discussed this before. I won't rehash it again, but you've got to kind of hit rock bottom or get close to rock bottom and have a clean out before you can start moving. Well, here we are. Well, that's right. That's right. And so if I was a Tottenham fan, I would be encouraged. As an Arsenal fan, I can sit in the catbird seat and watch what is going on below me. But you guys have been in that position for the last six years, seven years. Yeah. You know, I mean, what was last year was the first year we finished above you in seven years, maybe. Yeah. 
So that makes it all the sweeter for me, you know, to watch you guys try to figure it out. You know, it, if I was a Tottenham fan, I would be relatively encouraged by the last few transfers that you guys have made, more or less. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think I think with Poster Coglu, we've got a good coach again. You've got a tough Aussie, right? And you know when you again when you look back on the Mourinho's and the Conte's and the the celebrities. You know, their press conferences, their every move is all animated and ah, it's all in your face and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas Postacoglu just seems very myopic. He's got the blinkers on and he's like, you know, I, this is what I've got to do. I'm, well, I, don't, that- I don't need to listen to everything that's orbiting around me. You know what I mean? That's right. And get, in, and get involved in all of that, you know, and gesticulate and like arguing and that, you know, he just gets on with his job. That's right. And, you know, one of the great things about football is it being a relatively low scoring game or sport enterprise spirit, physicalness plays a big role, you know, you don't have to be a hundred million pound player to put yourself about yeah. and make your presence known on the pitch. You know, eleven in this sport, eleven guys can play together and beat teams that are way more highly paid and way more valuable on the transfer market website. And I think Pascataglu is the type of manager that can get that spirit and commitment out of players more so than the previous superstar managers that you've had. And I also think that's another reason why having Harry Kane in Germany is better for y'all because Harry Kane had gotten to the point where I'm sure Tottenham was important to him. Don't get me wrong. But he had gotten to the point in his career where there was also Harry Kane stuff that was important. You know, he had become a almost a celebrity where the no trophy thing was a meme. You know, his pay was an issue. He's captain of England. You know, there are things going on out there that were bigger than Todd with him. You look at that team on the pitch yesterday there won't nothing bigger than Tottenham and that game and I think that and I think long term that bodes really well for Tottenham yeah totally agree totally agree yeah yeah totally agree all right so um anything you, you want to do uh, um anything about the man United game upcoming you want to talk about um 
I I think it's going to be a hell of a game. Um, I do too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think what we'll happened? See- well, we're recording uh, in the states on Monday evening. Uh, what what I, do you know the result of Woods uh, of Wolves and yeah, United? Man United one nil. No shit. Yeah. I saw it in like 60 minutes. It was nil-nil. I was really hoping that the draw could keep. God. So I think I think it'll be interesting. I think there'll be goals. I think, you know, I think the first few of Tottenham games, there'll, there'll be goals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just how it is. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be very open. Um, Man United won't tire. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think like Brentford did a little bit, you know, so it'll be really interesting. Like you said, first home game, New coach, new team. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. We will not be doing a podcast next week. I will be in the Canadian Rockies in as far away place from the hustle and bustle of London or where Rick will be. So we will be on opposite sides or pretty close to opposite sides uh, of the world. I'm going to be way west. He's going to be way – or he'll be way so – we're not going to be near each other. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be in, way over. Yeah, multiple time zones uh, away. So uh, – but we will catch up in two weeks when Rick gets back and I get back. It may be a late podcast. It may almost be a podcast – prior to that following weekend. Uh, But we will get back with you once we get back um, in town. And um, one thing that I um, wanted to say is we appreciate everybody that has been listening into the podcast. You know, thank you so much for your continued support. Don't forget to go on your uh, favorite podcast app and give us a review and a rating. You can follow Rick on the Twitter machine at ATF Podcast One. You the can X follow machine. me. Pardon me? The X machine. <laughs> the X machine. That's right. Oh, my God. Never going to uh, get used to that. Uh, hell, I'm not even used to Twitter yet. Uh, you can follow me on the Twitter machine at ATF Podcast Two. Um and Rick, you want to plug the website? Yeah, check out this podcast and all of the uh, earlier podcasts, ArsenalTottenhamFanPodcast.com. Check me out on Instagram at ArsenalTottenhamFanPodcast um, for updates and uh, funny memes. <laughs> and uh, may- maybe there'll be something a little special on there in the future about Rick's trip Could, to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Quite possible. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. Come on, you Gunners. Come on, Tottenham.